can't believe they call it a tumor board. Why? They discuss tumors. Oh, man. I think they come up with something a little more esoteric. Like what? I don't know. Uh, the... You're completely boned board. I heard they used to call it the poor bastard board, but too many people were showing up. Someone told me that they tried the take me up back and shoot me now board for a while. What, didn't stick? No, surprisingly. Why not? Too many letters, I guess. Welcome to the Yuletide TV Podcast, a podcast where we watch and review a random Christmas episode to determine whether or not it's a Christmas classic. I'm Chris, and joining me as always are my friends Brian. hey And John. Hello. This is the halfway point of our 20-episode search for the best that Christmas TV has to offer. And I just wanted to check in with you guys and see how you think we're doing so far. Well, we all haven't reached a consensus yet, so uh, pretty goddamn terrible. <laughs> we, we, found, we found the best episode, and now... Now we found the worst. Yeah, we found the best <laughs> episode, but one of us didn't want to agree with the other two, so I guess we didn't find a Christmas classic. A eh, Chris? Well, no, I guess not, but I think we can do better. I think we've been doing an okay job, and, you know, part of part of searching for the best is finding the worst and, and weeding them out, so we've yeah. certainly been doing well on that portion. <laughs> this hurt. This is like, it was bad on every level. <laughs> well, it sounds, sounds like you got some feelings that you want to let out about today's oh, yeah. episodes. So why don't we dive in to talking about what we watched for today. And as a reminder, we only have two rules for what gets covered on this podcast. One, the episode must have at least a tangential connection to Christmas. And two, it's got to be relatively easy to stream. So today the episode selector has gifted us with... The Greatest of Gifts from ER. This is the ninth episode of season seven, and it originally aired on December 14th, 2000. You can find it streaming on Hulu if you'd like to watch it for yourself. But if you haven't had a chance to watch this episode, here's a little bit about what happened. It's a busy holiday season at County General as Chen goes into labor and enlists Carter to help her deal with the adoptive parents. Corday and Green are in New York looking for a second opinion on his brain tumor, and Benton is trying to rein in the teenager he brought home. Meanwhile, a typical day at the hospital unfolds with a kid being mauled by a dog, Benton finding a girl hiding in fear from a procedure she's about to undergo, and Weaver attempting to navigate her feelings about a female psychiatrist. After some second thoughts, Chen eventually gives the baby over to the adoptive parents, Green finds out his tumor can be operated on, and Carter having gone through a long and stressful 24 hours, takes, then throws back up some Vicodin, leaving audiences apprehensive and a little helpful about what's to come in the new year. And if you didn't understand any of that synopsis, then maybe you too should have watched seven seasons of ER. I don't think this would have improved, and this like would not have gotten better in context. This would have stayed terrible <laughs> forever. Oh, I disagree. I think it's a fine episode of TV, but... Oh, man. Oof. No. <laughs> oh, all right, fine. All right. Chris, I... do you continue doing the thing, and then we'll really get into it. No, this is the thing. We start talking about the episode. It but is? John, 
Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> now this is the time. This is wait, the time where we start wait, doing that. Wait, we talk about the episode. Yes. Oh. Yes, we discuss our thoughts and feelings. But I know John mentioned at the end of our last episode that he had something. Uh, he had a little story about ER that he wanted to share with us. Like this is why I wanted to do it last episode because it's like two sentences. But, like, ER is, like, older than us, so I was a wee little boy, and I think I had just gotten Wait, done watching. I'm sorry, watching. what was that? Like, I was a wee little boy. A was, wee little a, boy? Just a wee little boy. Like, oh, I was, like, super little. young. Like, this is one of my earlier processed memories or whatever, but we are from the northern Midwest where there's a lot of icicles, and I remember there was a episode of ER where someone came in because an icicle had fallen through his head. Through his head. Like, yeah. I don't mean to be an echo chamber, but I'm genuinely interested in what you just <laughs> right. said. Like, yeah, like the icicle had fallen off a roof and it spiked him. Oh, wow. So, like, I spent about a year as a four-year-old, like, really afraid of being underneath icicles. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, sprinting out of houses. Yeah. Because ER, like, the way ER, like, set up is, like, it's a shitty soap opera with, like, plots that would make, like, all my children look like fucking Dostoevsky. And then, like, oh, yeah, and then there's an emergency. Here's some blood. Look how, how they react to this emergency. Did you hear all those words they said? They solved that boy's neck problem, didn't they? Oh, boy, they sure did stop the bleeding on that kid's <laughs> cheek from the dog attack. It was his facial artery. I think, I think that's ER's greatest achievement over its 14-season run is that 15. its misdirection is incredible. Like you said, John, it is a shitty soap opera. But when they say, hey, look over here at this ER operation thing going on, they do a really good job with it. I mean, I guess that's realism. I don't I get I'm not from a big city and I haven't been in actually I have been in an ER in a big city. And like at no point, like legitimately, they just kind of let people bleed out. So like, I don't know. I don't know how they like. Can we get hit from slander with this? I mean, it was a general state. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cook fight. County Hospital just lets people bleed out. Like we're not gonna hit get hit with a legal battle, are we? Fight. Fight. No, I me. think I think he's keeping it general enough that fights. Fight me, nondescript hospital. But like, <laughs> I just don't know how these people are getting through all of the security measures of a hospital with their like blood shooting everywhere they're like fix him i actually think the worst the like mvp for just garbage actor in a show that had like nine garbage actors is that mom which oh (laughs) you mean the mom the mom of the daughter the mom of the no the the, two daughters one with leukemia and the other helping the kid with leukemia no they did fine um oh they did fine yeah, they, no, the mom did fine in that one, too, whatever. Oh. But, like, the mom of the dog boy <laughs> with the, like, what's going, why aren't you helping him? Like, in a way that no one would ever react in human in human existence. <laughs> like, Don't forget, that really didn't go anywhere. Like, we didn't find out what happened to the dog. We just found out that the kid shot the dog with a BB gun, as most young sociopaths do, and the dog attacked the kid. And we didn't really learn if they took that information anywhere relevant yeah there were a lot of dangling plot threads from a patient perspective here Mm. and that's kind of what made this episode so tough to follow along with is that we're getting dropped in the middle of a heavy heavily serialized drama 
um, similar to what we've seen in like you know House, except amplified by about five because they're that times as many characters running around this damn thing. So you just kind of have these patient things that like, to your point, like oh yeah, also don't forget that we just have random people coming into this ER every day. So we have, you know, we have the girl with the helping her sister with leukemia that kind of doesn't end up going anywhere we have the kid who gets mauled that doesn't end up going anywhere and it's really just kind of padding out what is already a very crowded episode of plots i think at least the kid who's afraid to to get what was it bow give bow marrow or uh blood or whatever to help her sister with leukemia that had some kind of resolution a shitty one albeit but a resolution yeah i mean the resolution is is pretty much just that her mom's like she's just gonna need to suck it up and help save her sister and yeah i don't really give a shit how she feels about it the mom's not like super wrong it's not gonna hurt the kid to like give a blood transfusion but like i mean at least like buy her some fucking ice cream or something (laughs) like yeah I thought the mom was totally missing the point. And she kept going yeah. and throwing back in uh, uh, Bennett's face. I don't give a shit about what you think. And the guy's like, well, no, of course, I don't I don't know you. But, like, your daughter. Listen to your daughter. <laughs> Treat your daughter well. And at least ER has a lot of, like, really well done, like, I, I forgot how, like, 90s episodes were, like, previously on. It's like, we're like, and then this one brought up the most important plot point. That it's not okay to have mixed race children. It's not my opinion. <laughs> it's, it's certainly ours. Well, so let's 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 set this up a little bit <laughs> because <laughs> this is a very again a very convoluted episode with a lot happening in it. So Dr. Chen is of uh, Asian Asian American descent, played by Ming Na, played by Ming Na, and she is having a mixed race baby, and her family is pretty much told her that. If she has the baby, they will no longer support her or be involved in any way. So she has decided to give the baby up for adoption. And that really propels a lot of the conflict. It's really the central story of this episode and propels a lot of the conflict that we see between her really not wanting any contact with the baby. And then this woman who like is from the adoption agency, I guess, just being like, no, you got to touch your kid. You got to you got to hold him. You have to. I'm going to make you. Take your child before we give it away. <laughs> but but I don't want to. Take it. I don't care if you don't want it. You have to do it. It kind of seems like that would have been better, but it again, really, television, yeah. you got to create drama. As your resident adopted person, I didn't like this. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like how any of this went. <laughs> I want to hear everybody's take on the adoptive parents, their reaction in the brief period of time that they were uh, uh, involved with this process. Because they got very upset over some things that appeared to me, the viewer, very minor. Specifically when Chen wouldn't let them in the birthing room when she was giving birth and when she asked to hold the child a second time. I think it's just the like the core issue this whole show has is like just probably hyper hyper pointed out with them like no human acts like this. <laughs> like okay. All right. no cool. reasonable human in the world would be like, no, I must see it come out of her vagina. How else would I know it's real? 
no like adopted no like prospective adopting parent would do it if anything they're super nervous that they're not going to give the baby up so they're hyper respectful to like my understanding the stories i've heard from my parents because like i was not their first attempt at adopting they're like hyper respectful they're super like nervous that like they're not going to give the kid up so they would have just been like they probably are going to be advocating for the mother more so than like vice versa right just no one acts like this the show just manufactures drama in the shittiest most like baity way it's garbage well and the, and the toughest part for me is that like i i can understand the stress like for me the the stress of not knowing and understanding like ultimately it's the mother's decision and so all your hopes can be built up and then dash just because the person changes their mind at the last minute like i get that and i think like that's believable what's not believable is like you, it would have played a little better if there was some contrast. Like both the parents were such at such heightened levels of anxiety that they were basically the same character. Where like I feel like a more realistic approach would have been like, oh, you have one like one person that's kind of like really upset and anxious, and the other one that would be just like, you know what? Okay, we just gotta hope it's all gonna work out. And maybe that's just me because that would be my attitude. It'd be like, yes, I'm nervous about this, but. I think I just got to believe it's ultimately going to work out. So we just got to ride it out. Well, they like acted human towards the end of it. Right. Like when it was like, oh, she's breastfeeding. And they're like, why would we force her to look at this child? <laughs> it's like she really didn't want to do this. And now we fucked with this poor woman. Also, let me just start singing to you without any any preempt of just oh, like, yeah. That was super random. I read in an article that's how all mothers let go. They sing their favorite tune. To silent ears, apparently. Jesus, I'll back off. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna let him die on the vine on that one. (laughs) Every episode. Every episode. That was like, at least that one like had some positive resolution other than like this woman put her, they had like a relationship. I don't know. Has anyone watched ER? Yeah, so actually, I mean, that's something I wanted to comment on is that I, I've actually been rewatching ER over the course of two years because I, I started last summer, took a little break, been picking it up again this summer. And so this episode is like two, two seasons ahead of where I am. And it's almost like a completely different show. It's, it's, it, I was honestly like flabbergasted when I was watching it because I'm just like, wow, the whole tone of this and the like heightened drama to it like it's always to your point it's been very soap opera it's it lives and dies on these big moments and the twisty intertangled messy personal relationships that these doctors have but man it just feels so cranked up to 11 going between these two things and so it it's it really is an interesting change because as brian said i mean this show ran for 15 seasons we're kind of right smack dab in the middle of its run. You got some of the original cast have already left and they're trying to transition and really ultimately just trying to keep their ratings up by doing whatever they can that they think will keep people tuning in each week. And this is a show in its final season. Try to keep viewers by snagging John Stamos. Yeah, he's he had been around for a few seasons before that. <laughs> yeah, I've done I've, I've looked into ER a lot. And actually, after watching this episode, April and I went ahead and watched like five episodes of the first season. And. Uh, oh, it's fun. 
It is though, isn't it? That's it's so much fun. Thing. Yeah, and it's it, it it's what disappointed me so much about this episode. It's the reason I've I've been binging it. Is like you see why this show was as popular as it was at the time because right. when it fires, it it really fires. Oh, get you! If it yeah, it really gets you. And uh, this did not. This was just yeah. Uh, this was mashed potatoes with no gravy. <laughs> or salt or, or salt or butter or any or, kind of seasoning or mashing or <laughs> cooking was... <laughs> someone grabbed a potato from idaho and handed it to you they didn't hand it it was thrown with malice <laughs> <laughs> just corked at your head oh man just just bad it has maybe the worst throwaway throwaway line in terms of like it is offensive and isn't funny. It has, like, you should be suspicious of any specialty doctor in clinical trial because they're not trying to help you. And it's like, hey, man, like, sometimes, not, like, to be a bummer, like, sometimes your shit's inoperable and you kind of, like, the best thing you can do is, like, give information on your way out. Like, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about, <laughs> like, cancer research sometimes. Sorry. And like so, like the yeah. Let's make our let's make this widely watched show make people really suspicious of experimental medicine. Oh what? <laughs> oh, but hey, it played out. Come on, uh, Prince Humperdinck helped him out in the end, or is going to on New Year's Day. It's going to be a good turnaround. Yeah. Well, because his colleagues, his colleagues just want to do their research like monsters. Oh, of course, yes, oh, he's yes. he only he is here to save. And <laughs> well, I was so, I was watching this episode with April. And uh, she goes, oh, my, oh, that, that's, that's Prince Humperdinck. And I go, we don't say that name in this house. <laughs> and your marriage survived having to watch this, this trash can fire. Yeah. 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 As, as an introductory episode, it is hot garbage. It's, yeah. that's a strong bond. Yeah. Not, not many can say that. No, no, this, no, no. This, Honestly, though, that, that Green and Corday where they go to New York to find, to see if there's any hope for his brain tumor was the only storyline that really worked for me. Like yeah. they're acting like they, they seem to genuinely enjoy each other and had some chemistry on set uh, mm. where everything else was just, why, why is this even part of the episode? Like that, that seemed to be the only grounded storyline to me in this episode. I mean, it just seemed like they were trying to throw in so much. It's like they were throwing, they were just trying to see what shit stuck to the wall. And they were trying to catch, you know, anyone's attention. Okay, so we got the cancer guy over here. Uh, we got the adopted family uh, heartstrings over here. Uh, we've got the young daughter uh, helping her sister out with leukemia right here. And then uh, what else do we need? What else are we missing? Um, Vicodin problems. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> of course, a busted up biker for all of our biker heartstring people. You, But, but you missed... You missed the lesbian love plot. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And the, and taking in a troubled teenager, yeah. as yep. every show in the late 90s liked to do. There was too much. <laughs> I couldn't remember everything, okay? <laughs> That's how bad this was. It was a oh, fire. God. Just bad in every, every direction. Just... Ugh. But you know what I did really enjoy? That intro theme music. It was re that's really really good the intro. Yeah. It always sets the tone real nicely. I feel like one of the other things 
and part of the reason it made it kind of a bad episode of ER in general is that it's always ER always at least as much as I've watched so far and I watched some of it when I was on the air but it always did a nice job balancing those really heightened dramatic elements with some good comedic relief like never too much but but enough sprinkled in to kind of just break stuff up and there was zero of that in this episode outside of Carter just being exasperated by what he had to go through over the course of 24 hours. Yeah, that sounds about right. I just, I, all I know is, and this is like relationship advice from a, from a guy with a psychology degree, so it's stamped as perfect and right 100%, is you always want to be involved with someone who causes you to relapse into your drug problems. <laughs> that's, that's what you want. That's, how, that's what you need. I, again, from going into this episode cold and, you know, kind of like Chris, like I always had ER around me growing up, uh, not because I watched it while I was on TV, but like in the summers when I was home and getting up, like we'd throw on TNT for some reason on the TV and like reruns <laughs> of ER would be there. And you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of know these people. Yeah. All right. I like Noah Wiley. Why not? You know? See, for me, it's because this was like my mom's favorite show. So that's uh... like the nostalgia factor for me is like. And probably one of the last scripted television shows she watched. Not okay. because she's dead, but because all she watches is Discovery Channel and History Channel Pawn Star type shows. It could be a lot worse. Chip and Joanna Gaines as well. You know. Okay, yeah. But um, did not remember, like, again, going in cold to this episode. It's like, okay, yeah, I do remember Carter being kind of a fun, like, nice guy. Like, I didn't have any issues with that. Pretty sure he's a rich kid. Oh, he's got a drug problem. He's got a, wait, he's taking Vicodin. Does Vicodin make you stay awake? Okay. Uh, wait, he's throwing it up. Wait, uh, a drug problem. AA? Okay, sure, sure. Let's just go along for this ride. In fairness, he holds his stress better way more than I ever do. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, when I need a drink and, like, like need need a drink, it looks like it. <laughs> like, he looked great. He was so composed. Yeah, he hung in there pretty good. But that was a lot to throw into the last five minutes of an already very packed episode to just be yeah. like, oh, and also he's going to relapse. And uh, that's going to be a problem that could threaten destroying his entire career. So Yeah, and for some reason, he'd have to go back to Atlanta. Well, I think the implication there is that is, um, well... The implication and also what I know from reading about it, uh, because it's in between the gap that I'm at right now, is uh, he went to rehab there, I believe. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yes. That makes sense. Saying, yeah. My my brain, like, why would he get kicked to Atlanta for ER work as a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> like, rehab didn't even pop up into my mind. They, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. They would just be, like, done with him, and he could go back to his other hospital or something. Yeah. But, like, my other thought would be just, they have a way sweeter Vicodin in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> they might. Yeah, I don't Because when he I falls, he falls yeah he is he's committed now i just I, I like that like he took two vicodins and within 12 seconds he was an incompetent doctor <laughs> despite despite like i would assume years of misuse well okay but i don't i don't think that was necessarily supposed to be the vicodin kicking in i think that was him like having a panic attack almost about taking it and that he was just like oh fuck what did i just do oh uh... and like getting 
getting just like totally disoriented because his mind is like oh shit i just did this and what does this mean and why did i do this and etc 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 and finally he's like fuck i gotta get this out of my system i really enjoyed uh when he was like trying to put that little girl like with the rib damage or like stomach damage into the same room as the biker he's like why is he still here and it's like he's he's dying brother (laughs) he got hit by got hit by a school bus (laughs) (laughs) calm it down i know i know he's a biker and that's an adorable child but you know hippocratic oath no one life above another you know god i did forget about i forgot about that part of the patients coming in part of the reason this is a terrible christmas episode is that like one very similar to house you wouldn't really even know it was christmas outside of some set decoration plus <laughs> the only other real christmas thing we get outside of like corday and green being at rockefeller center during the ice skating season is that oh yeah all these kids got into a bus accident on their way to a christmas pageant (laughs) and that's like somehow the least the least safe bus in the world because it hit a motorcycle and is a bus and all the children are dying it was a well it was a van wasn't it (laughs) whatever either fucking way that's worse (laughs) that's fucking worse because they're buckled in. <laughs> yeah, it's a van. You, like oh, the, man, big van, I bet, had big issues with this episode when it came out. <laughs> we need our lawyers on this immediately. Big van has more problems with me than big hospital, or more problems than with them than big hospital's gonna with me. <laughs> now, don't forget, as far as Christmas stuff went, too, uh, What's-Her-Face gave a present to uh, Juliet. Uh, yes, Elizabeth Mitchell. Sure. And always, always nice to see Elizabeth Mitchell. I mean, it is for as little as she got to do in this episode, except to be like, "Hey, I don't need to be in a platonic female relationship <laughs> with someone who can't figure out their own sexuality." She was just a, a pleasant presence to have around. Another thing that I loved seeing her in recently, I rewatched the movie Frequency with uh, Dennis Quaid, and uh, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel's great. He is great. And she's in that movie as Jim Caviezel's mom. And that is excellent as well. I thought because this is our Christmas podcast, you were going to bring up her Christmas-related roles in Santa Claus 2 and 3. I was not, no. Because she is the Mrs. Claus. There's only one Santa Claus movie. This is true. Um, (laughs) A very good statement (laughs) to make. I don't care if you cast Martin Short in the quote-unquote third movie. It's just not, it doesn't exist, man. Get out of here. It's not yeah. real. Those movies are trash after the first one. <laughs> and the dog mauling only happened because it was Christmas, because that little boy stole the BB gun from his presents to shoot what? that dog with. What a warped take on the Christmas story. Yeah. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, uh, this is back-to-back episodes. Uh that have suggested everybody opens their presents before Christmas. Uh, how true does that ring with you boys? Have you opened your presents before Christmas before without anybody knowing and really gotten a look at what you're getting this year? Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, same. I, okay, so I, I one time, one time I was a bad boy and I peeked Immediately under... went to confess to the priest afterwards. <laughs> Something like that. I, uh, oh. Th- th- well... <laughs> So I found my parents, you know, I'm sure even if you guys didn't look, you always knew your parents stashed the presents to a certain extent. Like they had their little Santa's workshop somewhere where they would, you know, a closet or a 
part of their basement or wherever where they would kind of stash the gifts and be like, okay, don't go here now until Christmas because this is this is where we're helping out Santa to, to get your presents ready. And so my parents would always, if they ever got anything really big that they couldn't hide in a bag or something, they would put like a blanket over it. And so one year when I was a kid, they had a, they had a blanket over this box. And I was just like, well, let me just take a little peek under here. And it was a TV. And I was like, shit, huh? Who's that TV for? Because I hadn't asked for a TV. And so, like, I, like my mom was like, did you look at the presents while I was away? And I was like, yeah. She's like, do you see the TV? I was like, yeah. I was like, who's that for? And she's like, uh, it's for your dad's workroom. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then Christmas Day, I had this big box addressed to me, and I open it up, and it's a TV, and I am the most confused little boy ever because I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> just got that's, out that's, and that's, just strongly outmaneuvered. <laughs> yeah, my mom did that to my younger brother one day. We were uh, uh, very young, and uh, we were out, and my mom got the gift that he wanted in front of him and said that she was donating it to the little boys and girls this year. And uh, he just, he was a great kid. He just accepted it. He was like, yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. And then uh, he opened it. And my mom, I mean, it was the, uh, the, the, in a sense, like the equivalent of like, you idiot. My parents would have just like, if I would have pulled, if I would have looked at presents early, we just would have not had Christmas. Oh, really? Ooh. Oh, for sure. Like 100%. So <laughs> I did, I dared, I dared not, lest I never get to play Donkey Kong 64. Nice. Yeah, that was a smart play. Yeah. My my parents always threaten that, but I, I've always wondered. I've heard stories like that, too, where you hear about, you know, we were talking about in a previous episode about, like, when we found out Santa wasn't real. I mean, is real. I mean, whatever. Um, but there was, I think it was, like, a comedian or someone who was telling the story about, like, yeah, I found out, and I kept teasing my brother about it, and my mom was like, hey, cut that shit out. Like, don't you dare tell your brother that Santa isn't real. If you do, you're not getting any presents this Christmas. And so he did it. <laughs> and, like, sure enough, Christmas Day, nothing for him under the tree. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you got to back that shit up. <laughs> like, uh, my mom bases her love on, love towards me off of how many positive reviews we get on our podcast. So, like, of course. imagine if I fucked around with her on, like, Christmas there. Yeah. Would not have, would not have been the look. Which is just a reminder, folks, when you listen to this podcast, if you like it, give it a rating on uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and maybe leave a nice review so John's mom will continue to love him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you should give a lot of positive reviews here because we had to watch this. (laughs) Oh, we should did. And we can warn you about it. And we are. Don't watch this. We are warning you. (laughs) This is a warning to you. And also a warning, I think, to not open presents early. Because as Brian said, I think as, you know, we're we're halfway through uh, this journey we're on. And we have now had a pretty strong signal from two episodes to not open your presents early. Because one, you might end up on a planet that's going to get acid rain to death. Or Mm -hmm. two, you might end up shooting a dog that's going to bite you in the face for shooting it. You know what? And if anything, it's December 5th. You know, let's say you were going to take a peek at some present. It's too soon. You know, you're going to get excited about it for a couple days and then it's going to wear off. So when Christmas finally does come around in 20 days, you know, you're not going to, I mean, oh, yeah, I got the thing. No, keep the magic alive. Wait until Christmas morning. 
Because just because Santa may or may not exist doesn't mean you can't enjoy that magical, magical moment in the morning. Absolutely. That was the most sincere thing we've had on this podcast. (laughs) Good work. Well, Uh, speaking of gifts, I think we need to ask the big question here, which is, as we've gone through these watching these episodes uh i really like to take a look at the title of the episode and and give it a good interpretation to make sure we're really hitting on the meaning that the writers wanted us to get out of it so my big question for you gentlemen is what in your opinion was the greatest of gifts the adoptive parents receiving chen's baby weaver giving that old book to elizabeth mitchell green learning that he can operate on his tumor carter finding that biker's vicodin or that that girl continuing to have somewhere to stay, even though her friend crashed that poor woman's car. For honesty's sake, I'm going to honestly answer uh, Green finding out that his t- tumor is operable. That was the heart-stringiest moment of the entire episode. And I forgot what the joke answer was. Uh, <laughs> oh, the I, joke I got... answer was Carter finding out that he could in fact say that he was sick right at the start of his <laughs> shift and get away to an AA meeting. That was the greatest <laughs> gift of all. Yeah, dude, he had a day. That was a really, that was a sweet gift by Weaver. Letting that poor dude go home. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, the greatest gift is a BB gun because BB guns are fucking sick when you're a little kid. Oh my God, they're the best. <laughs> Just the so best. Mu- so much fun. Uh, buy your children air rifles. <laughs> perpetuate perpetuate the issues with America. Does anyone remember what the name of that that gun that he wants in a Christmas story is? Can we get them as a sponsor on this podcast this holiday oh, season? Red Rider? Red, Red, Red Rider, Rider BB then. gun. And yes. I believe they still exist. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. I would I so, would guess so. I think pellet <laughs> guns are a little bit cooler. Go to go to Walmart. Buy they are cooler. Go to Walmart. Buy a gun for the whole family. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have a good answer for this either because like I'm even trying to you take in like the the two main plots here, which let's say that's Green's tumor thing and Chen's baby. Even thematically, you can't be like the greatest gift is forgiveness or hope or I don't like they don't really tie together, so there's not really. I think it's supposed to just be like the greatest gift in a few different directions, right? No, I yeah, because it's I, like love and family and hope, all all what very all very nice gifts. Hope. <laughs> I'm sorry. Help. Hope. Help. John, are you having a stroke? <laughs> yep. I did. Okay. Cool. <laughs> it's just a little strokey over here. <laughs> my, uh, my joke answer though is. Uh, Corday humoring Green when she, when he asked her if she likes the pizza they're having in New York, because she very clearly does not like it, and she says, "Uh huh, yep." Just as good as he remembered when he was eight, <laughs> which is when you know the most about food. The classic Christmas meal, which, as we have previously discussed as well, plain cheese pizza. So this wasn't even on Christmas. It wasn't their Christmas meal. That's true. Well, Macaulay Culkin didn't eat it on christmas either that's different that's home alone and he had a stouffer's mac and cheese christmas eve which is the correct answer if you're home alone on christmas eve and home alone not just home and alone and older no you do what you got to do when you're home (laughs) you know what if you're home and alone and older 
just do the plot from Home Alone. There you go. <laughs> just, yeah. just make your make your entertain yourself for pay, the day. Pay Fuck some it. guys to break into your home, <laughs> and then fuck them up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you can pay them enough. It'll be fine. There's Hold probably on. I, some. I, I just got a text from April in the other room. Stouffer's mac and cheese is gross. Don't lie to your following. Oh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> now, for all the shit you give me about, like, talking smack at companies, you just are the one who got it sued. You're the one who did it. Uh, she thinks we have a following. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah, that's, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, as as we continue to find with these episodes, the, the more that happens in them, the less we have to talk about. It's an it's a nothing, baby. It's a nothing. It's a, it's oh, a, it's yeah. a, it makes me long for how I met your mother. <laughs> wow, that is saying something for you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I hate I hate this. House was ten pounds of crap in a ten pounds of crap bag. This is 30 pounds of crap in a five-pound crap bag. They handed you the rest of it by putting it between their hands, holding it up to your face, and clapping. Like, that's how <laughs> yeah. that crap came to you. Just. <laughs> well, I think we already are in a pretty good consensus on this one, but for posterity's sake, let's go through our ratings, which are, of course, calling this episode either a Christmas classic, a pair of socks, or a lump of coal. Brian, you want to start? Yeah, this is going to be one busted up biker lump of coal. One out of ten busted up bikers. Oh, there are ten of them. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there are ten other bikers. <laughs> that's that's that the successfully part of the missed song. the van, and then there was just the one that hit the van, you know, and that's the one that we got for this episode. You know, you like giving these ratings, but sometimes I wonder if, like... I like, fuck you, I like it, them. If it's, a, if it's a true lump of coal, should it be 10 out of 10 busted up bikers? No, it's, it's a 1 out of 10. It's like, no, it's if it was 10, 10 yeah, out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Brian hates the Hells Angels. Just, uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 hold on a second. Hells Angels, you can find Brian. Go find Brian. Uh, he wants all 10 of you to be here. You can That's find me for a good episode. in Green Bay, Wisconsin. My name is John. No H. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is no H, no other parts of it. <laughs> and if you're wondering if I write these ratings down or think about them before I give them, I don't. Nobody's <laughs> wondering that. <laughs> we all we all knew. <laughs> still, whenever you do them, it still makes me happy. Oh. Yes. I think calling this a lump of coal is offensive to everything else I've called a lump of coal. Because, <laughs> like... I'm open that I just don't like a lot of things, and this is like, this is like offensive. Also, like on multiple levels, there's no way like having sex with a black guy was so fucking novel in the '90s. You needed to make six jokes about it. Like, there's no way. Like, I don't think you're no making way a lot like, of jokes about it. Though, the fucking, it? the fucking. Oh yeah, you weren't expecting that when it came out, were you? Like thing. First of all, like what the f- just like what the fuck is this? Like your attempt at humor? They're like, oh yeah, surprise, boyfriend. I fucked a black guy. It's like what <laughs> is this humor? But it's like it's offensive. It's shitty. It's bad. It's like it's just stupid fucking TV. Go watch any soap opera. I don't know. It's a Christmas is canceled. Like it's <laughs> the it's the worst. God, now there's an idea. Can we 
can we find can we find an episode of all my children <laughs> that has a christmas i mean because they obviously yeah. have christmas episodes we're but i don't know time, where you... we can find a bajillion because a bajillion <laughs> exists i wonder if we need to watch like a full week of episodes that are like really because <laughs> well, like those things move so slowly <laughs> it's yeah it actually it's probably a... can we watch the one with the monkey instead Let's watch uh, the one which the one monkeys. was that? Passions? Pa- yeah, I think Passions. That one is definitely not. There are only like three soap operas still on, right? It's like General Hospital and All My Children and like Guiding what? Light. No, All My Children is for sure done. My mom was real sad. Days of Our Lives is that still on? I think she had to transition to Days of My Lives. Days, Days of, of Our, our lives. lives. That's wow. NBC. So Does CBS have yeah. Check on that well, old IMDb there what what soap operas are still on the air is this a service <laughs> that anyone needs <laughs> days of our lives still going certainly not er guiding Bold and light the is over what was the other one okay so I, I, I have i have bold and the beautiful days of our lives general Done. hospital and the young and the restless so really only four wow 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 end wow. of an era so maybe we'll have maybe we'll have to see if we can squeeze one of those in somewhere uh, I'm also gonna call Please this don't. a lump of coal. Uh, it is, it is. I know. <laughs> Which I do not think then is the first time we've all said something is a lump of coal. <laughs> no, but it's yeah, it's. I think it, it. Yeah, we'll have to double check. I thought we. That, I think this might be consensus for the first time. I need to see. This is why I gotta keep track of this. I'm gonna add this to our spreadsheet so we can, so we can, so we can know. <laughs> But yeah, it's just it's just a bad episode of television. It's a bad Christmas episode. I, I think to kind of what we were saying earlier, maybe in the larger context of the season, like if you're binging through this, like it would make more sense or be a little more gratifying to watch than it was. But uh, this is not going to give you too many holiday feels, I don't think. And it's not going to enhance your holiday spirit in any way, shape or form. No, so. it will not. Stay away. <laughs> I would I would avoid at all costs. So one one big old lump of coal from your Yuletide TV podcast crew. We did it, everybody. I'm sad I don't get to know what happened to that dog. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what do we think? Down. Do we think? Do we think that that we'll put that put that as a Twitter poll? What happened to the dog? Got put down or the kids? I think the dog saved it. Or they let no, the, dog the dog loose in inner Chicago, saying, "Be free! We can't keep you. Run! You can't get him." <laughs> well, I mean, once it's once it's and had then... a taste for human flesh, it's very dangerous. <laughs> it is now. It is now aware. I don't think the dog like the dog didn't eat him. <laughs> like it ate it his defended face. Itself. It defended itself. It defended itself. I'm going to kick the Twitter poll off by saying the dog lives. So the three options should be the dog gets put down, the dog lives, or the boy got put down. <laughs> which, <laughs> which I, which you know which one I favor. You got a in, bad in a, ju- in a just We're world. We're going to have to turn you into glue now. We heard you shoot dogs, you little fucker. <laughs> Can Joe Pesci do it? Can Joe Pesci put him down? Hey, kid! <laughs> Only if he half curses like he did throughout Home Alone. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. That does it for ER. Who wants to know what we're listening ne- uh, listening to? That's what our listeners want to know. Our listeners want to know what we're watching next time. Yay. Yes. It can't be worse. I'm hoping it's not. 
because we want you to pull out your biggest telescoping camera lens and zoom in as we watch an Eccles Family Christmas from Veronica Mars, which you can find streaming on Hulu. I'm bullish on this. I'm curious. I think we're going to have a, a similar issue in terms of uh, being dropped into a heavily serialized story, but I also think Veronica Mars does a nice job doing self-contained episodes that weave into a bigger story. So uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping this will play out nicely, but we shall see. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, as Brian already mentioned, you can always uh, rate, review, and subscribe. It's a wonderful Christmas gift at this time of year that you can give us, and it doesn't cost you anything except a few seconds of your time. Otherwise, if you uh, have anything you want to talk to us about regarding what you think the greatest gift of this episode is, or the greatest gift, hey, we've given you, you can always email us at yuletidetv at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at yuletidetv. You know, we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, if we were to add a Patreon aspect from this episode, I would say it would uh, be enough money to buy each of us a Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> Sick. No, the, pa- the Patreon, of, the Patreon goal for this one is very clearly watching Christmas episodes of soap operas. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and I will, yeah. I will give you those bonus episodes all day long. <laughs> I will be here for them. Oof. So good. All right. All right. But well, yeah, until... the money will be used to buy a Red Ryder BB gun. Sick picture. <laughs> Yes. And then go and go and to shoot some bottles because I'm soft now and don't hurt animals. Yeah, but be careful because you might shoot your eye out. Or a dog that will in turn maul your face, which arguably is worse when compared next to a Christmas story. <laughs> you, if you shoot a dog and the dog mauls you, you deserve it. Oh, 100 percent. And you deserved you deserve to be out of the gene pool for sucking that much. Yeah, the dog did us a favor. A little bit. Don't shoot dogs. Because now you are marked by the dog, and now we know the dog shooter when we see it. Like inglorious <laughs> bastards and Nazis. <laughs> if your kid shoots dogs with a Red Ryder BB gun, your kid is a Nazi. Strong words from Brian, and a wonderful sentiment to close out our 100% Christmas confirmed. Podcast. Merry Christmas. Don't let your kid be a Nazi. Don't let your kid be a Nazi. Don't shoot dogs. I've been Chris. I've been Brian. I'm John. We're glad you're alive. <laughs> Sleigh Bell Sounds provided by Michael Koenig from soundbible.com and Joy to the World provided by freexmasmp3.com.